You are listening to a special Ukraine Watch edition of European Values podcast. This episode was created within the frame of the Information Defense Hub with the support of the European Cultural Foundation. Hello, my name is David Stulik. I'm a senior analyst at the European Values Center. And today we are recording our next uh, special Ukraine podcast uh, together with uh, Sonia Koshkina, who is a very well-known journalist in Ukraine. Sonia is now in Prague, working in our center at the Information Defense Hub. And today we will focus on three topics. The first, uh, the most uh, hot one, is the recently signed uh, grain deal with uh, Russia. Uh, then we'll also touch upon the latest personal reshuffles in the Ukrainian administration. And if we have enough of time, we'll also talk about the situation at the military front. So, Sonia, it's a great pleasure to do this uh, podcast with you. So, could you tell us a little bit uh, more about this grain exports deal? Will it work? Will it not work? And how important it is for Ukraine? Uh, first of all, David, thank you for your invitation. It's a great possibility for me to speak on these topics. Uh, what about uh, deal and about Ukrainian grain? It was, uh, as we know, it was a very long process of negotiations between all uh, who t- took part, uh, Ukraine, Russia, Europeans, and the uh, uh, goal was to uh, provide European grain to whole uh, the world. Uh, after the beginning of Great Invasion, uh, our main ports they was blocked and it was mined because understandable that uh, ports are protected. Odessa, one of the main uh, goals for Russians uh, in the east, uh, in the um, uh, south part of Ukraine. So. Uh, <coughs> All ports stopped. In uh, that moment, there was uh, more uh, over than 20 millions of uh, tons of grain in our storages, and it's necessary. Uh, it's important to say that Ukrainian storages. It's impossible to uh, put a grain for a long time there, because it's uh, necessary to have special uh, um, uh, special storages. We have no it. And the new harvest is coming. Yeah, a new harvest. It's over 30 millions of grains, uh, tons of grain. So 20 and 30, it's 50. And the uh, problem was to uh, organize export. It was impossible to make it uh, by the r- uh, rail because also it's um, not the same. Um, it's uh, not possible to ma- uh, organize it by the uh, uh, rail because it was a huge uh, uh, volumes. A huge volumes, yeah. So it uh, was necessary to solve this problem uh, with harbors. And as we know, uh, previous week in Istanbul, uh, it was an uh, 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 agreement, signed agreement between uh, Ukraine, uh, Russia, and uh, uh, Mr. Gutierrez. He was like a guarantee of this agreement, and uh, this expert. Uh, are just now ready to uh, start, but on the next day after uh, agreement was signed, Russia bombs Odessa, uh, exactly harbors of Odessa. There are three harbors there, right. not far from the city. Yeah. I well, I think that the Ukrainian motivation to have this deal in place is quite obvious, because you can also earn good revenues uh, on the exports of the grain. But what is the motivation of Russia to accept this uh, deal? Um, it's uh, it's a very important question because it's also uh, necessary for Russia for their uh, own uh, markets. Uh, to because uh, as we know there is no uh, Russian agro uh, uh, um, holdings in uh, sanction lists. 
uh, but it's necessary to provide the domestic markets and uh, it's also necessary for Russia to do it. And do you think that the Russians will stick to this agreement? What is your personal uh, say, forecast? Uh, Russian lies always, so I think no. I think it's not for a long time and not for a long term. It uh, became uh, more understandable uh, when uh, this agreement uh, will work and uh, started, and we will see uh, when started a uh, uh, way for our grain, uh, I mean uh, by the sea. Uh, because it's uh, uh, necessary, uh, it's not only about grain, because this grain is uh, uh, necessary not only for, to make uh, some products in uh, Europe and Central Europe, in a Africa, but it's also um, used for, uh, for feeding animals. So if not organized this uh, grain just now, uh, till the end of uh, the year, it's possible to have problems with proteins, with uh, all types of meat, uh, as, I, as I mentioned. Right, and uh, I think that not so many people know that also the sunflower seeds uh, yeah. are one of the key exports uh, items for Ukraine. So does this agreement also cover the sunflower seeds? Uh, so, yeah, also sunflower, uh, sun, uh, sunflower flea, uh, seeds and yeah, and uh, grain from uh, previous year. Yeah. Well, and so far the exports haven't started, right? And what is your, let's say, estimate uh, when such exports could be resumed? Hmm. It's a good question. I think it uh, depends not only from uh, uh, some statements in this agreement, but I think it's uh, absolutely uh, um, connect with uh, safety situation. Uh, and also it's connected with political uh, situation. And we know that Mr. Putin make uh, these solutions only by himself. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yes, yeah, some, ofi some official negotiations, some official statements, but uh, he make these uh, solutions only by himself. Right. And uh, there is a third actor next to Ukraine and Russia who is extremely active on such deals, and it's Turkey. Yeah. What is the interest of Turkey? It's interesting. Uh, first of all, it's a, a business interest because uh, they used a Bosphor. Uh, we used a Bosphor to uh, organize all this process. But the uh, second position, a political position, because Turkey is like uh, in the middle between Ukraine and Russia, and uh, they hope that uh, it will be a long story. But I'm not sure. And if you were having a kind of a crystal ball, and you could. Uh, look into the kind of a heads, for example, of President Erdogan. Whom, do he, whom, whom does he support more, Ukraine or Russia? Uh, it's, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think that nobody knows. I think that he, uh, he, he, he's in the middle of nowhere because, he, yeah, it's a huge role of uh, Turkish government in this, uh, this occasional case, but uh, he has, Erdogan has a very uh, close uh, mm, uh, communication with Mr. Putin, we knows about it. So I, I need, to, I think that we need to time to, uh, to look for this. Right. Uh, so now let's uh, switch to the second topic, and these are the recent reshufflings in the Ukrainian uh, institutions and very important institutions. Uh, recently, the chair, uh, the ombudsman uh, for human rights was replaced. Then we had the. Uh, kind of a joint replacement of the prosecutor general mm -hmm. and the head of your intelligence service of the SBU. Mm -hmm. uh, why are these, let's say, reshuffling so important and why there was such a kind of, a, I would say, concerns mm -hmm. and even some fear in Ukraine 
that President Zelensky is actually using it for own purposes. Why is yeah. it so important and what went wrong? Uh, it's a very interesting question because uh, according to Ukraine, uh, we need to understand that uh, after the beginning of Great Invasion, we have a special law situation in Ukraine. Uh, Ukrainian parliament have a law uh, uh, about uh, Law about war times. If if just a law that regulates the daily life of the state during the during war. During the war, yes. So uh, it uh, begins from the beginning of the war and uh, will be uh, till the end of the war. And according to this law, President Zelensky, uh, he may uh, solve uh, may, may, may make some candidates and solve uh, some um, uh, problems not in the uh, style in a, in a regular life. For example, it's about SBU. So, uh, if it will be a peaceful times, uh, he need uh, to uh, make it with the cordon of parliament. And uh, uh, intelligence, intelligence service, the head of intelligence service is the same, only with according with parliament uh, to discharge this person mm -hmm. or to make a new candidate. But according to this, uh, uh, <coughs> this special law, uh, just now he has a possibility to do it uh, by self. Some our lawyers said that it's uh, not according constitution, uh, but only a uh, um, main constitutional court may uh, uh, reply if, if if yes or if no. And it's blocked in Ukraine just now, uh, and it, it was blocked before the war uh, for a long time uh, because it was a personal conflict between the head of this uh, court, uh, Mr. Tupitsky, and Volodymyr Zelensky. Volodymyr Zelensky uh, discharged Mr. Tupitsky, but it was a peaceful time, so according uh, for peaceful laws. He has no, president has no such possibilities. And in this moment, when we are he, see, uh, uh, sitting here and make this podcast in Verkhovna Rada, there is a procedure to, uh, uh, make, uh, uh, to make a new head of uh, this court. But it's very interesting that uh, it's possible to uh, uh, make a new uh, judge of this court, but to uh, make a head of this court is only a question of uh, judges, not of uh, members of parliament. So we'll see. Yeah, it, um, a, a huge threat because uh, we are looking at a case of Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Denisova, uh, our ex-ombudsman. It was first but not uh, last case because after uh, it, uh, uh, as you mentioned, it was about SBU, it was about uh, head of intelligence service. Just now it something very strange uh, with uh, uh, general court. Well, the situation is quite complex, so <clears throat> if I were to summarize it, I would kind of do it in that way, that uh, there is a war time and the president claims there are rather different procedures for dismissing and appointing important people in the public administration. There are doubts uh, whether these uh, changes were done according to constitution, but the constitutional court cannot make that kind of a judgment because it's also blocked. Mm -hmm. So we are kind of seeing that Ukrainian authorities, some of them, are kind of paralyzed, right, in the time of war. Is there a kind of a threat or danger that President Zelensky might abuse that? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a huge uh, threat and it's a threat of... And what for? Dictators. What is his it's, motivation? Uh, it's... Uh, 
Oh, uh, there is. Uh, I don't uh, know any cases in Ukrainian histo uh, history when uh, President uh, think, uh, uh, thinks uh, so that he uh, has enough power. So there is no uh, no situation where there is enough power. <laughs> not so only in Ukraine, I would not say. Not only in Ukraine, yeah, but in Ukraine, I know it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's understandable in the times of war, but uh, in peace, peaceful times, it took huge risks, huge threats of dictatorships. I know that you are now in Prague, but yeah. uh, how is the Ukrainian public reacting to these uh, changes? Um, it's a very... Um, it's not strict and sometimes not understandable uh, law uh, procedures. So uh, not all people understand what is it. Uh, as you know, uh, tw uh, 12, 12 years ago, uh, in 2010, when uh, Viktor Yanukovych became a president, uh, he started his presidential career from uh, uh, changing a law about uh, constitutional court and the constitutional uh, court gives him uh, possibilities which was not according of uh, his status of president in that times. And uh, when he uh, was on election campaign, it was one situation, after he was elected, he uh, had huge, huge possibilities and huge power according to the side of uh, uh, court. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely illegal, but it was a very... Um, not very understandable law procedures and a lot of people say okay it's normally he just started he needs this power for maybe some reforms for maybe some possibilities so okay let's see and we know the end of the story so yes Rita huge as for me so can we conclude that if President Zelensky theoretically really goes far in these kind of attempts to grasp more power that the public would somehow stop him? I hope, because uh, in Ukraine, yeah, uh, we have three Maidans uh, for 30 years, and uh, dictatorship in, uh, in Ukraine uh, is absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible at all. But isn't it a bit risky to do these sorts of uh, changes during the war? Because this is weakening the position of Ukraine. Yeah, but um, it's, it's, um, it's very... Um, a uh, difficult situation because uh, really it's just now it's not a peaceful times and so, uh, uh, we need to understand that sometimes in the period of war he really uh, need uh, more powerful maybe uh, in for sol uh, solve uh, one types of problems and other types of problems but it's uh, it's it's a huge risk yeah as, as we said well if you were advisor to Zelensky what would you advise him to do I hope I, I never will be advisor of President. okay if you were <laughs> representing the international okay, community yeah, yeah. what would be your messages to Zelensky? Uh, my message my own message uh, ever, everything in it to be according strictly according the law it's it's main message strictly according the law and also uh, one more interesting uh, detail that uh, according of this special uh, uh, special law as i mentioned it's possible to change uh, situation in uh, regions of ukraine you uh, mean like appointing the governors or appointing the governments uh, discharge uh, mayors 
elected mayors. Democratically elected mayors? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he has, as a president just now, he has such possibilities. And I think that uh, it may be realized in some regions, in the Dnipropetrovsk uh, uh, region, for example, maybe in Chernigov region, mm -hmm. because there are also huge conflicts with uh, a major of uh, Chernigov, Vladimir Troshenko. He, interesting, he was elected in the uh, first tour with a result more than 70 persons. So he, he, he really elected major, like, like Boris Filatov, the same. So I think uh, in this situation, it's only a question of time to change them for some some another persons. I see. Well, let me now also ch change the topic and move to the third uh, uh, issue that we wanted to discuss with you, and it's the current situation at the battlefield. Because mm -hmm. in the Western media we hear recently quite a lot of uh, talks about the forthcoming Ukrainian counteroffensive. I know that you are not a military expert, but yeah, I'm not a what would be your, let's say, uh, Observations uh, uh, as a kind of a layperson, not an expert, but what what would be your expectations, for example, with regard uh, to such a I hope, plan? I hope that uh, our win is not far. I hope that uh, it will be in this year, but I understand that the uh, main part of uh, this war, I think it will be in August. Uh, because it depends uh, not only from our possibilities, but from uh, uh, arms from our um, Western partners. And just now, yeah, really, it's a very difficult situation in the south, uh, uh, south of Ukraine. Uh, but uh, we see that uh, Russians, yeah, that, uh, they are active, but they um, it's impossible for them to make a counteroffensive yeah, because they have not. Uh, uh, first of all, it's situation in Russian army because uh, for these six months, as they understand, uh, five, five and a half, as they understand that uh, what they protect. For, for what is a battle for, for just for money it's not not uh, they have no reasons to go in ukraine uh, and uh, take uh, take uh, part in uh, fights uh, it first and uh, second position that uh, we have enough weapons because it's it not possible to compare with the situation one month ago two months ago we i mean ukrainian army uh, so uh, just now it's a situation uh, it's a middle situation uh, it, we are fighting for them, but uh, they cannot attack us. So, so you would say that the fighting morale on the side of Ukraine, yeah, the sure, is sure, it's still understandable. High. Yeah, 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 it's still understandable. It's understandable for Ukrainian society, for our West partners, uh, Western partners, and I think that it's uh, understandable for Russian army. But still, uh, there was a recent statement of President Zelensky that daily there are about 30 fallen Ukrainian soldiers. Isn't it a kind of a too high price for the Ukrainian society? It's high price, fight? but I think it's more than uh, 30. I think it's more. It's first, of, uh, first of all, we know exactly. I mean, these are officially declared uh, losses. Uh, yeah, but we know uh, Finnish number of these losses in, in, mm. on, on, mm. in this moment. We know only losses of Russian Russians, and it's uh, over than thirty uh, thousands. It's more in uh, than in for ten years in uh, Afghanistan war in the Soviet time. So <clears throat> uh, about losses. Uh, if the Ukrainian society is still yeah. ready to support, yeah, it's a huge part. Uh, it's a huge, uh, uh, it's huge price. But we need to understand that. Uh, Oh, there's uh, 
we need no temporary peace. We need to solve the problem just now. Uh, according of the one uh, Ukrainian soldier, he was very young. Uh, he was a key uh, activist, Roman Ratoshny. Mm. He mentioned that uh, if uh, we are not win just now, our children uh, will die for this. So uh, in uh, uh, future, in the future. So we need to solve these problems with Russians just now, and uh, we need to, to finish. So it's impossible to have some temporary peace because uh, Russians, I'm sure that uh, Russians may uh, use this pause for, uh, for, for maybe for some trainings, to collect new people, to collect new weapons and start again. Uh, so it's, it's a huge risk, we need to understand it and I hope that our Western partners also understand it, that it, it may be only one end of this war, uh, it's Ukrainian win of Ukraine. And what does the West need to do for that? You mentioned the Give us a lot weapons. of weapons. weapons yeah. Mainly weapons. Mainly weapons, yeah, because uh, we are ready, Ukrainians, I mean, we are ready to protect our uh, land, our government, uh, our, also our government, uh, our uh, citizens, uh, citizens, but we need uh, possibilities for it, we need weapons. But with regard to weapons, there were media articles and leading Western media like mm -hmm. Spiegel or Financial Times saying that Ukraine is actually smuggling some of those weapons uh, to the third markets and it's selling it to criminal groups. <laughs> I, uh, I think it's, uh, it's impossible. It's just uh, organizedly impossible to um, make it, in, for example, I don't know, in Mexico or somewhere. But we know that Russian propaganda uh, uh, sometimes is hidden propaganda. Sometimes uh, Russians use uh, leading uh, uh, Western media uh, to uh, take their narratives. And it's one of the main Russian narratives. It's understandable that some sort of markets... To discredit Ukraine, yeah, to yeah. limit the support, meaning less weapons, yeah, and in yeah. that way to yeah. So it's, it's very it. important for Russians to, to make this narrative but it's not absolutely not true and uh, one more it's impossible to organize in this uh, uh, circumstances it's just organized impossible so this was the next special ukraine podcast that we've recorded uh, with uh, sonia koshkina the editor-in-chief of uh, leading ukrainian uh, media lvberg.lb.ua uh, i'm very grateful to you sonia for joining us and all the best Thank you.